Welcome to From the Booth, the weekly podcast sponsored by BYU's International Cinema Program. I'm Chip Oscarson, one of the directors for International Cinema. On the podcast, we talk about the films that have been showing and will be showing at BYU's International Cinema. Today, we're going to be previewing the films for the 26th to the 29th of February. These are all part of our Anthropocene Cinema series, and it is a week that's focusing on cinematic representations of the Arctic. These films include Aga, a film in the Siberian language Yakut, directed by Miklo Lazarov from 2018, Arctic from 2018, a Robison aid directed by Joe Penna about a man, played by Mats Mikkelsen, stranded and fighting for survival in the Arctic, The Gold Rush, Charlie Chaplin's comic masterpiece from 1925 that he re-released in 1942, we'll talk a little bit about that, and our documentary for the week, Genesis 2.0, directed by Christian Fry and Maxim Arbrugev from 2018. It's about climate change, bringing back extinct species, and the ethics of cloning. With me today to talk about these films are the usual suspects from the IC program. We have Marilor Oskarsson and Mark Yamada. Welcome. Hello. Great to be here. Why don't we start with the film Aga? Marilor, what do viewers need to know going into this film? Well, Milko Lazarov, it's not his first film. He's from Bulgaria, so interesting, like a very international film that takes place in Siberia. He not only directed this film, but wrote it as well. It's a um, beautiful film, an award-winning films around foreign festivals. It, it's a very successful film there. Some things to, to look at in this film as you as you watch it. First of all, enjoy the cinematography is absolutely striking. Landscape covered snow and it is gorgeous. A, a very beautiful film. Watch how the main characters, so it's a man and a, a woman and they live on the bunkies. They live in a very traditional way. and um, It's kind of almost outside of time. I mean, there's some references to technology, but it's not very specific at all. So very interesting point. It is outside of time, but you will see right away in the first few scenes, you will see the main character lying down on the snow, and the camera is focusing on him, but then the sound, it's not his breathing or music, it's the sound of an airplane in the sky. So... You see those clothes that are very traditional, that are like homemade with skins and things like that. I mean, he's not wearing glasses. He's wearing very much the traditional clothes of like years and years ago. But the plane is just telling us, you are in modern time. So look how this traditional world and modernity interact and what what is the message about about this. As well, there is a great message about change and how the main protagonist, they witness change in their lives, in their bodies as well, and around them. So there is a lot of movement in this film, even though you might feel that camera is very still and things are happening in front of your eyes, not because the camera is moving, the camera, but it's just see how things are evolving. Other things, what traditions tell about modernity as well, and what is the message about the environment? The camera angles, coming back to the camera, where is the camera and how is it filming? I think it's very interesting. And as well, questions of community and society and how um, family is very important and how we communicate. Um, you won't see any modern day technology in this film. And yet there is great thinking of family members and caring for them, even though they're not living right there. Right, so kind of at the center of this, there's a question of a break down of, of family and community is at yeah. the center of the whole the whole film. Huh? Yes, definitely. And so see how that has, has affected the couple who has lost their daughter to another style of life. So lots of things to look for in this, how traditions are 
just passed on from one generation to another or abandoned and how topics like weather, hunting, fishing and family become central to this way of life where this couple depends completely on each other. The work of the one is essential to the survival of the other and vice versa. Right. And the relationship to the place where they are, too. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's think uh, next about Arctic. Um, Mark, what stood out to you about this film? Yeah, I mean, this is a great survival tale, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. first and foremost, I think critics talk about it as being one of the greatest, you know, one person, largely one person, you know, lack of dialogue kind of story. If I'm going to have one person in my film, I think it's going to be Matt Smith. Oh, yeah, I want him dragging me across the Arctic, right? But not eating me, right? He's relentless. He doesn't give up, you know. (laughs) <laughs> but it's interesting that this film, I mean, there's more to the film than just what's going on. I mean, there's an interesting kind of story about the production that, that we know about. Chip, can you talk more about that? Yeah, well, so the director, Joe Pena, this is his first film. He's a Brazilian YouTuber. And, yeah, um, very successful YouTuber. Very successful. Mystery Guitar Man, <laughs> if you want to look up his YouTube channel. And I don't know all the details of how he went from that to suddenly directing a film in Iceland, yeah. you know, starring Mats Mikkelsen. There, there's there's a story I need to fill right. in before, right. you know, before we review this film next time. It is an Icelandic American uh, production and it's I mean in some ways it, it is a very typical kind of survival story. One thing that's unique is how we start in the middle. We don't start with how he gets into the middle of wherever it is he right. is. It's, it starts with him already there, with him already having this, you know, this life that he's kind of carved out around the wreckage of this plane. Okay, we'll have to make sure that 250 is very nice and warm so you can enjoy this week's film. But I was thinking we should have snow cones or snow something. Snow cones, like oh my goodness. But know that at the Cannes Film Festival, it received a 10-minute standing ovation. Wow. People were just so enthusiastic. Was it, was, it, was it about him, do you think? I mean, maybe it was, it was kind That's of That's what a lot of the buzz is. I mean, he's, is Matt Mikkelsen's performance is, is what really stands out here. In some ways, he's kind of already assimilated to the environment, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's fishing and he's really kind of part of and he's not really talking and and when the plane crashes it's almost like they're kind of this this human other right that he's kind of oh that yeah that's right so he it early on in the film there's uh an attempted rescue and right. a helicopter comes down and that's what motivates him to now to need to do something to do something yeah, yeah which is an interesting way to think about it i i like this film as within the the broader anthropocene cinema or what we're calling anthropocene cinema here because it's a good example of one of these survival fictions and this is something that's really proliferated in recent years and i think that the interest i mean we've always had interest in survival fiction robinson crusoe is is a really good example um and and stands in for for this tradition that goes back you know, hundreds of years but but I think that its recurrence now today has a, an interesting balance to it that one of the things, you know, whether it's a post-apocalyptic kind of survival or, you know, something more like this where he's stranded in, in the Arctic, it's a questioning of how the modern subject deals with suddenly being cut off from everything that we are. I mean, you think about how we live our lives, that it, it's the intersection of so many different specializations that we have nothing to do with, right? That we just exchange money to be able to, you know, to get through our lives. I don't have to grow my own food. I don't know how, to, I don't need to, to know how my car runs. I don't need to know how to fix my house. I don't need to know how to, right? All of these things. I, you know, I do my small thing and let other people do theirs. And we have this exchange because the system works. Well, does the system work, right? I mean, that's one of the things that the Anthropocene challenges us to think through is that what have we lost in becoming so interdependent and codependent maybe in in these kinds of ways and so the survival fiction is all about what happens if all of that is cut off 
can we survive? Is it, is it possible for us to, to get through? If we're Mats Mikkelsen, the answer is a resounding yes, at least in the <laughs> beginning, right? Well, Gold Rush is the, the third feature for the week. Gold Rush, of course, is first released in 1925. This is a film by Charlie Chaplin. This is one of Chaplin's most successful films. It was the fifth highest grossing silent film in history, and it was the most expensive and longest comedy that had been produced up to that point. Chaplin said of this picture that it's the film that he wanted to be remembered by, and perhaps because of that, in 1942, he took the silent version of the film and he re-released it with a soundtrack. The soundtrack won uh, Best Oscar for uh, for the music, and he did a voiceover that's his voice uh, recorded and it's a slightly different film uh, because of it. We're going to be showing the 1942 version in part because that's what Chaplin declared as his authoritative kind of version. It's typical Chaplin kind of uh, storyline in some ways. You have an adventurer, an outlaw, the girl, and the tramp. They all come together in the Klondike uh, looking for gold. But I think what separates this film from some of the other Chaplin films is that Chaplin's character is a little bit more developed. There's a little bit more depth to it than what you get in some of the other films where it's just, a you know, he, he's playing this type. Here, he, he brings the, the role of the tramp, you know, to be sure, and he's playing that, that iconic role, but there's a little bit more depth and, and difference to it. In terms of what to watch for in this film, I would say watch first and foremost for Chaplin's acrobatic and very physical acting style. If you haven't ever seen a full Chaplin film, you need to, to see this film because you need to understand what a genius Chaplin was as, a, as an actor, that he brought something that was really unique and really special. He has a kind of grace to the, uh, the way that, that he performs. Secondly, I would say look for how tragedy and comedy really meet each other in this film. Um, we've talked about this in some of the other films we've uh, shown here in recent weeks. Jojo Rabbit comes to mind as another film that likes to, to play on this edge of, of comedy and, and tragedy. And in a very different way, Chaplin's doing the same thing. And then lastly, look for the special effects. This was an expensive film in large part because of the special effects. Originally, they intended to film a lot on location up on Donner Pass or close to Donner Pass in the Sierra Nevadas, and the weather just wouldn't cooperate with them. So they ended up doing a lot of it in the studio. And I think that this itself is an interesting thing about film history, about this tension between on location versus studio shooting. The elements are precisely what's being thematized here, that they're out of control, but to film them, you have to control them, right? <laughs> so there's a, an interesting kind of double movement uh, going on. Well, lastly, let's talk about Genesis 2.0. Well, and it's a great transition with the gold rush because we go from one gold rush with <laughs> Charlie Chaplin to a, another one for hunting for tusk of instinct um, mammoth in the new uh, Siberian island. So we're in the Arctic Ocean. And it's cold there too, but the but not as cold as it used to be. <laughs> not as gold, no. And so this is a, a gold rush for a white gold. There's a thawing of a permafrost, this layer that usually is always frozen, and it's releasing these tusks that are sold around the world for a lot of money. So we're part of the documentary. We are with the hunters, and it is quite a treacherous job to do this, and that's what they spend their summers doing, and then. Part of the summer, because those hunters find a mammoth that's almost in perfect condition, a young mammoth. Yeah, like flesh and blood intact. Flesh even. and blood intact. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, we are thrown into this high-tech genetic scientific research to 
make, uh, to bring back the extinct mammoth. And so it's a little bit of Jurassic Park way. And science showing man as a creator, therefore the title Genesis 2.0. And questions that are interesting in this documentary is to look at the role of humankind in nature and as well the role of humankind in deciding to create uh, a clone of a, an instinct um, animal. Yeah, no, it's really asking uh, interesting questions about the, the future direction of evolution, right? I mean, if, do we have the power to bring back extinct species? Is that a good thing, right? What are some of the, the, the moral issues with cloning um, and, and how uh, we as humans think about our, our place in the world because of that? Some of the critiques of this film has, have been the complexity that you start here with the mammoths in, like you said, in the Arctic Ocean, and then you end up in Korea and oh, we're China traveling all and over the United yes. States. And, mm-hmm. But I think that that's the exact point, um, is that you start with this one issue and you begin to see how this one issue is linked to so many of these other kinds of issues. And it's a really good example of the complexity of globalization, right? And that you can't talk about any any one small piece of this as an engineering or a technical problem that needs to be uh, fixed or or overcome without thinking about the whole broad question, right? And that's, I think, our failure as a a species is too often that we we focus on what we can do without asking the questions about what we should be doing, right? And, And thinking about it within this larger context. So join us this week at International Cinema, whether you want to go to Alaska with the gold rush or Iceland with Arctic, or if you want to go to Russia um, and visit the Siberia Yakusha or East Siberian Seas with Aga or Genesis 2.0. That's right. I'll be giving our weekly lecture on the 26th of February at 5 p.m. where I'll be talking about the representations of the Arctic, if you care to hear more about this. But thank you for joining us today on From the Booth. Our podcast is produced by the International Cinema Program at BYU, which is sponsored by the BYU College of Humanities. We are solely responsible for the opinions and ideas expressed here as they do not represent any official position adopted by the university or supporting institutions. As always, we thank our sound engineer, Jojo Hegstrom-Pratt, as well as the staff of the BYU Humanities Resource Center for their help and support. Uh, Look for our Week in Review episode for films that have been playing last week, where we talk a little bit deeper about the films that you've already seen. Until next time, we hope to see you at International Cinema and 250 The Kimball Tower. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mariner. See you next time. Thank you.